welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Wendy Burns, and my counterpart, Stavon Morris, was not able to be here again, Trenton, for our for another Christopher Nolan review. I'm, I'm not going to hold it against him because I got the best co-host in the world, but it's, it's just kind of suspicious that he's not here for another Christopher Nolan review. But, but as, I, as I just said, Trenton Morales, um, a, a special guest once again. I'm a good friend of mine, and it's been on for a couple of uh, movie reviews. Um, but thanks for being back on, man. Ah, uh, man, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, at some point, at some point, we 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 we, we got a heat check save on. Like, <laughs> look, man, like you you always dip out on Christopher Nolan films. Like, uh, I mean, I, listen, I just heard the, the Joker review yeah, and like the slander he gave to Inception. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, you know, look, that's great. I mean, it, it's a solid movie. I mean, I, listen, it, it will always be better than Jared Leto's Joker. There's no doubt about that. Yes, yes. Uh, but, but I'm like, wait, not very hard to thing. beat. Not very hard to beat that performance. Oh, <laughs> listen, look, all you need is 15 minutes. That's all you need. 15 minutes of good Joker uh, stuff, and you're you got to beat. So, uh, but no, but no, I, no, man. I, as always, always good to hang out with you guys and. uh and just just chop it over fun stuff. Yeah, man, absolutely. And, and um, for for this episode, um, we're just doing exclusively a, a tenant review. And to start it off with the overview, um, tenant is a two thousand um a twenty twenty action thriller and science um action uh fiction film written and directed by Christopher Nolan, who produced with Emma Thomas, starring John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, um, Elizabeth um, Debicki, Dimple uh, Kapadia, Michael Caine and Kenneth um, Bernard. This film follows a secret agent played by John David Washington as he manipulates the flow of time to prevent World War III. Um, it had a budget of $200 million and brought in $341.6 million in the box office. Um, it had so seven- far. Yeah, so far, so far. This is a current film. This is the first time it, we've reviewed a yeah. current film. So, so this, yeah. is not, this is not a 10-year a year one ago. No, um, it, not it at all. It has a 71% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Obviously, this is um, you know very recent, as I as I was just mentioning, and um, there was speculation on whether or not it was going to be released this year. And mm-hmm. Nolan took more than five years to write the screenplay after he even said um, he deliberated about the central ideas for the film over a decade. And three of the elements that are just you know almost always praised for Christopher Nolan films are visuals, complex plot, and sound mm-hmm. mixing. Um, but what were your like initial thoughts of the film and just the amount of time Nolan took to put uh, you know that he took to put this together, as many have said, it almost has elements of his most praised films put together. Like, you know, many people call this Inception 2.0. There's even, mm-hmm. you know, uh, references to Memento in some aspects, but, but kind of like what were your initial thoughts of the film and just um, some of the past ones that he referenced? Yeah, man. So, um, you know, it was, I remember when I first saw the trailer, I, it was one of those things that like, no matter what, no matter what he's putting out, I'm going to be there. I'm going to see whatever Christopher Nolan puts out. And I think I may have seen the trailer one time in total. I was like, okay, this feels a little bit like, you know, Inception. And then after, you know, we reviewed Memento, I was like, okay, this also kind of has a Memento vibe to it with a time element. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, right off the bat, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be in the seat whenever this comes out and uh yeah i can't wait to see it and then COVID happened <laughs> so, exactly. so and so then and then it was all kind of thrown to a flux of like oh man like, like, like 
like, is this movie actually going to be released? Like, what are they going to do with it? Uh, I remember also kind of being taken back by the casting choices. I was like, okay, Jonathan Washington, okay, that's, you know, he's, a, he's, he's known. Of course, yeah. more so by his by his name heritage yeah, with his father. Yeah. Right, with Denzel. Um, you know, Robert Pattinson has, which I mean, we can talk about this later, but it's time to put respect on the man's name. He is no longer Twilight Boy anymore. He's actually really developed a nice career more for himself. More, more respectable. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, so, but Robert Pattinson, even though it's kind of like, really, Robert Pattinson, a Christopher Nolan film? And of course, you know, Michael Caine is always going to be there. Um, the but yeah. I, oh, it, the streak continues for Michael Caine. He the streak continues. That's right. <laughs> right. Right. He, he, he is the, the Stanley of, uh, of Christopher Nolan films. He's gonna find a way in somehow, Absolutely. some way. It may, it might be yeah, for five minutes. Insane. It may be for the whole film. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, but but overall, even though, but even though it was kind of like, man, what an interesting cast. Like, really, kind of, you know, what people would dub as, you know, B or C class, you know, actors. You know, nobody that was really kind of. You didn't have a Leo Leo DiCaprio. You didn't have a Matthew McConaughey who were, you know, superstars. Uh, it was really kind of low key. And I think it actually aided the film because it was able to like, you know, kind of focus it on the, on the characters and the story and not be so wrapped up casting, in who, who was playing that. The casting was so strategic because yeah. I feel like Nolan, he, he didn't want to just blow you away with the cast. He was like, I need to blow, blow you away with the actual film and what I'm trying yeah. to present and then, who I'm bringing along, right? Which, which you know, reading up, reading up about this film, and you know, this was this was the mo- one of the most expensive original idea of films. He didn't pull this from any source material, you know. Unlike Batman, he didn't pull from DC Comics, didn't pull from this, didn't pull from that, like or like you know, um, thinking about the Prestige, just pulled from like an actual book. No, this was original content, and it was one of the most expensive films to ever like be made from original content. Also one of the most, one of the most expensive films with the person of color as the lead. So there's two facts for the day right there. Yeah, definitely. And um, to start it off with um, from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, To me that this was a four star film as it just had amazing visuals and the spectacle that it is, because you know, Nolan always puts together spectacles um, along with some of the most just ambitious um, action sequences to date. Um, from him and the polished, you know, cast, as we just mentioned, um, Lister's had evident chemistry from the jump. Um, but to you, from one to four stars, what would you give it, and, and why in particular? Yes, I, I, I'm rolling with four stars, man. Um, just because, you know, one thing you could always appreciate about a Christopher Nolan film is that the visual effects of the things you see are actually happening in front of your eyes. This is not, you know, filmed in front of a green screen and and i i, I guess it, you know back to say from here on out hashtag spoiler you know whatever yeah. we talk about from here on out if you haven't heard if you haven't watched Tenet, press <laughs> turn pause. it off press, press pause. pause we can wait <laughs> but you need to watch it first <laughs> right yeah um so you have the scene where the protagonist and um uh, the uh, see, this is, I haven't seen this film enough to uh, to actually have uh, my uh, my ducks in a row. Uh, our female lead character. Um, uh, what is her name? What is her name? 
I'm, I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking for it right now. Oh, where is it at? Uh, I'm sorry, listeners. I really hate doing it to you guys. Yeah. You just um, usually have to but anyway, wrap it, wrap it, protect him from from forgetting. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, anyway, there's there's a, there's a scene where um, where John David Washington and our female lead actor, uh, who is. Uh, <clears throat> Played by the, <laughs> I see we're all we're all just having fun when you try. Is it Elizabeth? There we Becky? go. Yeah. There we go. Yes, yes, yes. There we go. Okay. So there's a scene where our two actor, our actor and our actress are sitting, are standing over this cliff, right? Mm-hmm. And they're talking about meeting uh, with our with our main bad guy, um, and. Overlook. I mean, it's just this beautiful shot, and and because even though we love our Marvel films, it would be so easy to look at this and say this is not real, but in actuality it is. Like it's an actual place you can go to. Everything about this film, from the plane crashing into the airport hangar, everything about this film was originally done, and you just got you have to kind of tip your cap to that too to be willing to make this as authentic as possible in a world that can recreate anything is just something that you have to kind of tip your hat to. So I'm, I'm always appreciative of the way that he wants to approach his visual effects. Um, the, the score, you know, Hans Zimmer aside was really good. I listened to the original score a handful of times this week. Uh, and actually even before we decided we were doing the review, listened to it. Um, it still kind of fell in line with the same kind of vibe, like you know, really it tense, really it upbeat. Didn't veer off. It didn't veer off too much from what I'm used no. to. His scores, which was, no. which was very good. not not at all, not at all. Uh, I think if there was one thing that you know, so I've seen the film twice now. If there was one thing I walk away from saying each time, what a loud film it is, and I don't know if that's because they haven't been. I don't know if it's because of the way they had to edit it by, you know, instead of it, you know, going to a studio or whatever, they had to kind of do it remotely in a home studio, like, 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 like what Nolan has done as his previous films. I don't know if that's something they, that was intentional or it's just kind of off, but like there are certain parts of the films like, man, it is super loud in this theater right now. And you, you just kind of immediately got to get brought into what is going on. So um, yeah, so four stars for me. Um, I, I I haven't I haven't decided where it falls on the radar as far as like Nolan films. That's exactly uh, what I was thinking. <laughs> I was about to ask you that. Where is it? Because I, I'm 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 not even there yet. I'm not even because I I really yeah. appreciate him. I think it's it's a really good film and it's impressive. It's just to see a new Nolan film, especially in a year like this where yeah. we didn't even know this was coming out, was just a, a treat in and of itself. But I'm I haven't even mentally prepared myself or where it falls under the, the original category. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I just think that you, you know, and and again, you know, we live in a world that, you know, that wants finger snap, like I want immediate reaction. And uh, so, so, something me and my friends have done, and even though, you know, when I, re- when I first saw the film, it was me and two other friends, mm-hmm. and we were the only ones in the theater, like, and this was like opening weekend when we went. And, um, so we basically had the whole theater to ourselves. Just so we were able to like really 
like react out loud what was going on on screen, all that kind of stuff. And 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 we just kind of walked away and we had some moments of thinking, but like we we took some time to kind of sit with it though. Like let's what you know let's sit with these films. Like let's not rush to you know put it put it in a category you know, give it an Oscar or whatever. No, like sit with the film and really kind of let it marinate. Because I think what we've seen in the past is, you know, there have been films that we've walked out and been like, yeah, that one, that was, that was pretty solid film. And then a year later, we're like, ah, no, no, I, I, no, this was not a good film. You know, it didn't (laughs) age as well as we wanted to. Um, So, um, so yes, I'm, you know, for you you in and of itself is, is, is even more of a challenge than the past reviews that we've done because this, we really are going to have to think about long-term because this is a film where, I mean, obviously it's, it's just come out this year. Yeah. For so many in the past, we've had the luxury of just, you know, Hey, we've had multiple years to look at it. This one, we really have to appreciate what it is now because I I think even a year from now, even two years from now, when we can just, you know, access it, it, it's going to be a different type of experience. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I totally get what Nolan means by and, and and you know, you know, of course we're not here to to debate like you know opinions about things opening up and corona the coronavirus and all that stuff. I mean, it's it's a very it's a very tense time for everybody. Like I know not everybody wants to go to theater or can go to theater, and I, and I completely and I respect people's convictions and everything when it comes to that. But I get why Nolan held out. As long as, for as long as he could to get this in the theaters, because he was dead on when he said, "This is a film you've got to see in a theater experience because Absolutely. of how big it is, and because of just what is going on. Like you, you have to take it in a moment. Now you better believe. You better believe. You better believe when it comes out. When it comes out physically, like I'm going to buy it. I still buy my movies to this day. So, but I was glad I'll be able to take it in in a theater experience. Uh, well, of course, also still being safe. So, yeah, for sure. And, and now transitioning to to favorite character, um, uh, for me, it was Neil as just how he headlined this film with burst and charisma and stole almost every scene he was in and, and the work he immersed himself in for the action sequences. Um, uh, was just superb. But, but to you, looking back at this, like, um, who's kind of your overall favorite character? Yeah, I'm rolling with Neil too as well, man. Like, like I said earlier, like it's time to put some respect on Robert Pattinson's name. You know, just the way that he, you know, the way that he kind of handled this character, and that he doesn't really over over like he doesn't go over the top. He doesn't really kind of lie too low. He's just right, and he's a great kind of pace to the story as well too. He's a great counterpart to the protagonist as they kind of go through this experience together to to see th- to see how everything unfolds. And I mean, just from the from the, the immediate jump, you know, when he kind of just comes up, he's like, you know, you know, I'll have this to drink. He'll have a diet coke, and it's like, oh, you know, I caught that. How did you know that? Like, so you you're immediately kind of wrapped in. It's like he's an intricate part of the story. And of course, as we go further into the film, we see that he has a much bigger role than we ever could have imagined and anticipated um, in, in how the story unfolds. So, yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with Neil. Um, yeah, again, great job by, Rob, by Robert Pattinson to really establish, continue to establish himself as a as a an actor and um, and just put some put some good um, good weight 
uh, as far as films under his belt uh, before we get to the Batman. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and with the protagonist, obviously, like, with what he did was exceptional as well. I mean, mm-hmm. absolutely. I really, yeah. I really respect what John David Washington did in this film. And I feel like absolutely. the weight that Neil had, Neil had to carry as, you know, in certain instances, he didn't have to, he, he didn't show up as much in the protagonist. That, that's who their focus was on. A lot of times with what we saw from Robert Pattinson's development in this film, even before we get into weightier films, it, it really did feel as though he carried his own and really showed that, that he can develop into a, a more mature type of role. Um, like looking at even, even with John David Washington, with what he had to do, and I know we're going get to get to him later, um, in terms of just what you saw for, from, from, what he, from, from what your initial reaction of was this film, um, what did you kind of take away the most from what he was kind of able to pull off as, you know, he's an ex-football star, son of Intel, yeah. and mm-hmm. even even Black Klansman, um, w- which no yeah. one saw and was just taken away by. But what was kind of your initial reaction on, on just him being in an action-packed film um, from Nolan? Yeah, so, you know, so I think the immediate thing we look for, whenever we see, you know, the the descendants of uh, actors like you know okay so whenever we see scott eastwood on on the screen we immediately say oh yeah that's that's clint's son there's no doubt about that like you know just the mannerisms the way that he carries himself you you see clint eastwood would you do that when i see john david washington on screen i see john david washington i mean I'm sure if we spent more time with him or if we see more films in the future, we'll begin to see the correlations between him and Denzel as father and son. But for right now, I see his, he's, he's kind of paving his own way. He's, he's setting his own course. He's going to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And, and I love that, you know, he has told people, you know, he does not go into any kind of like, you know, um, he does not audition, audition for any role under the pretenses that he has to foot the door because he's Denzel's son. No, he works hard to develop whatever he can, you know, from his career um, as a football star at Morehouse College here in Atlanta um, to, you know, going to the NFL and then going into acting. Like, he's kind of paved his own way. And it's cool that, you know, it, yes, he is very much Denzel's son. There's no doubt about that. But, but in the end of the day, like he's his own man, and I can't wait to see how his future unfolds uh, in acting. Because I mean, he's he's just getting started. I mean, this is his second major film, um, and of course, I know, I yeah, I know he spent some time in Ballers as well, which uh, with uh, with The Rock. But yeah. again, second second major film, and you know, so there is we have tons of time, hopefully, to see his career unfold. And um, and then be able to enjoy him just like we have his father for all these years. Yeah, and I mean, like when you have Christopher Nolan specifically say, um, specifically kind of yeah. give a, a comment of just admiration for him. He said, "Quote: Washington is just one of the greatest collaborators I've worked with. Extraordinary, extraordinarily hardworking, very, very thoughtful, and very considerate of everybody around him in the most wonderful way." End quote. And that's just something Nolan is not going to just throw around to any to any type of yeah. to any type of any type of actor. And I feel like. Even a statement like that, because when I saw that, I was like, I was impressed by Washington's performance. But when you when you even hear a, a director of Nolan's caliber say that, that really shows you just the testament of what they were able 
to put together in, in a short time span. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You, I, I do not take Nolan as a person who just kind of gives out uh, pats on the back just for the sake of doing it. Um, right. I think you really have to, you earn his respect and you earn his, uh, his admiration by just being good at the craft that you have. And like you said, for him to, to, you know, go to a world premiere of a film and say, Oh, I like this guy a lot says a lot. And, and to be able to bring him in into this new film, I think it's going to set a, it's going to set a strong course uh, for the next couple of decades uh, for a career to unfold for, uh, for John David. Yeah, definitely. And now listening to most memorable scenes, um, it started off uh, the Oprah opening, and this is oh man, <laughs> I mean, bro. <laughs> Nolan's, Nolan's talent, and this is another thing I want to get into. Nolan's talent for just constructing a genius opening yeah. scene like the Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, and Inception is displayed is is displayed once again. But before we even move on, like, what are your thoughts on just how he opens a film? Because like when I saw it, I was like the opening. I was like, I'm in. This is this is this is why I love Nolan. This this is why every time he comes out with a new film, I'm always engaged because from the jump, it seems to me, Trenton, that he he feels as though he has to set the tone because if he doesn't set yeah. the tone, he's not gonna have you reeled in as much. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we can, we can go from every film that he's released from Memento, uh, from the opening of the the photograph being waved back and forth as it produces itself to the opening of um, of the Prestige. With all the top hats spread across the the forest, to hear you know, are you watching closely? The opening of the Dark Knight with the two Joker goons blasting the glass out of the building, and then repelling across the street. I mean, on and on and on and on. I mean, just the way these films open up, they immediately like, okay. I mean, like, you know, as soon as that orchestra finishes tuning up, and a conductor like taps his his stand to call an attention. Boom! Everything takes off, and it's like, okay, we are in this thing now. Like, there is no going back. <laughs> so, yeah, there is no going back. And I mean, and, and that that's just what I think. Similar to, I, I would. It's just, a, it's just an mo of him. Similar to the way that he shoots his films, the way he does, you know, composing, whatever it may be. You know, it's just a it's just a trademark for who he is, and like. It sucks you in and like you're like, okay, we're on the ride. There is no slow build up. We are riding the plane. Absolutely. And um also Sir Michael Crosby, um, the protagonist meeting the British intelligence officer, um, breaking mm-hmm. into Prius, Neil and the protagonist infiltrate the heavily guarded home of, of an arms dealer. Um the Yeah, that was crash, great. That was a dope scene. The plane crash and, and this stunning visual was was pretty much everywhere in its promotional material and showed this the, the sheer scale spectacle this was. Um, infiltrating the airport and hallway fight um, where Neil and the protagonist are looking for a painting of, of, of satyrs to steal, but leads to much more. Um, the highway chase, um, this sequence was, was a oh, yeah. and mind-blowing as well, suspenseful, um, captured by satyr, a look at the, at the turnstile. And this was, you know, the, the turning point of the story where the time inversion aspect becomes most clear and satyr captures the protagonist. And then finally, the temporal answer of movement and climax um, the climatic movement of uh, of the film, where half the troops move forward in time and half backward. Yeah. In Soviet towns retrieve and, and unarm uh, the algorithm. But to you, what was kind of like the most memorable scene um, for you in particular? Um, man, so the one scene that made me and my buddies, and it even made me chuckle on the second on the second viewing, 
when it, so so we know that we have the two teams in the, at the in the final act going to fulfill this mission. One's moving forward, one's moving backwards. And when they get when they both and I know nobody can see me, well they can't see me, but <laughs> when when they when tenant happens where the fingers interlock and cross yes. and that building blows up at five minutes going backwards and forwards, we all were like, Oh man, Nolan, you are insane, bro. Like <laughs> when that was <laughs> There's about three times there's about three times in every Nolan film where I'm just like, Man, this guy's insane. This guy's different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like the way the way that that building blew up and the way they made it happen to coincide when the five minutes were crossing each other. It's kind of similar to Memento and how th- there were points in the film where what was going forward, what was going backwards crossed each other. And you were like, oh, there it is. Like, like That's the midway point. Similar to here. Like this event was reaching the point where it's like, okay, the past and the present are about to cross each other, and yeah. then there they go. And that when that building explodes, we're like, "Oh wow!" Um, the the car chase scene was phenomenal because what it did was it made you start paying attention to detail. Like when he first when they first get into the BMW, you see that the side view mirror is cracked, right? And it's like, oh. Why is that crap? It's like, oh, this is why. Because here, because we now realize that he is starting to engage with the, with the past. Or I'm sorry, with the future. So yeah. it's just, just on and on and on. Just, just really incredible things. I think the, uh, I love the exchange. Um, and it, this doesn't, it doesn't fall under my, uh, my favorite uh, quotes or anything like that. But the exchange where they're kind of planning to crash the plane into the hangar. Um, you know, where he's like, you know, the protagonist says, so you want to crash your plane? And Neil is like, well, not from the air. Like, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like, we're not being that dramatic. Uh, so, but, but I love that kind of that build up scene. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. And now we're getting into our most memorable quotes. And it started off. Um, I had, we all believe we'd run into that burning building, but until we feel that heat, we can never know you do. Um, we live in a twilight world. There are no friends at dusk. This is where our worlds collide. You have to start looking at the world in a new way. Um, old, I'm fine with, I was afraid. Um, <laughs> old, I'm fine with, I was afraid you're going to say nuts. Um, what's happened, uh, happened. It's an expression of faith in the mechanics of the world. It's not an excuse for doing nothing. And then finally, don't try to understand it. Um, feel it. Um, but to, to you looking back at this, what, what was kind of like your most memorable quote? Uh, yeah, so, um, I mean, the, you know, I, I've seen some people say that this film lacks the emotional pull that some other Nolan films had. Um, like, you know, Interstellar was a really, of course, very emotional uh, film. <laughs> um, I would say even parts of Inception was very emotional, you know, with Cobb, you know, longing for his wife. Uh, to be back, um, but man, is that the, the final critique, is that the one critique you would have of this? The lack of emotion. Yeah, yeah, uh huh, yeah. Um, and I think, I think it's you know, but for me, I found the emotional part to happen whenever the exchange between the protagonist and Neil at the end of the film. Um, you know, uh, you know, protagonist says, "Hey, you never did tell me who recruited you, Neil." 
And so Neil says, haven't you guessed by now? You did. Only not when you thought. You have a future in the past. Years ago for me, years from now for you. And that moment, you could just see, like, the protagonist realizes this was all put in motion by me to stop this man from destroying the world. It was all done by me. Um, and, of course, from there, you can see his swagger turn up a little bit because when he co- when he confronts a uh, um, old girl in the car later on, he's like, he's like, uh, I realize we're both working for me now. Like, you know, and yeah. he just takes care of business from there. Exactly. Um, so, and, um, yes, yeah, so I, you know, I, I, I love that exchange, uh, that final exchange between Neil and the protagonist, because like, you can see this is a long, drawn out friendship that we've only seen for the last two and a half hours, or that the protagonist has only seen for a couple of weeks or months, and realizing, oh, there are years to go from this, which kind of diverting from this from this topic makes me wonder, would no one ever do a follow-up to this film and give us more of, of this exchange That's between the protagonist and Neil? Happen. I think what happened. Because even John David Washington said he's he's he wants it to happen. <laughs> even in the main yeah. actor saying he wants to see it happen because I feel like there are there are more things that can be uncovered and even revealed to a greater degree. Because there are some films that that he had in the past that they don't need a follow up. Like Memento right. doesn't need a follow up. Um, and, and sep- many people were claiming for ins- another Inception, but that doesn't need a follow up. Like no. where that is where it needs to end. This one, I feel like the door is still open. Yeah. Right, and, and I think it kind of goes back to because this is original material. Like, it's not bound by any kind of, like, book. It's not bound by a comic book or any kind of anything. It's bound by what Christopher Nolan wants to do with it. Um, so, and I, I would I would, I would, would personally love to see more. Uh, I would love to see kind of more of this um, future with the protagonist and how he goes forward. Um and also kind of see if, this, if the fan theory is true that major spoiler right here, um, uh, you know, is really need to pause it. <laughs> is uh, um, is Neil Cat's son? Wow. You know, is is you know, did they take Cat's son and did they invert him to the present day from the future? In order to help the protagonist stop his father, like, to, to stop his father from destroying the world, because I mean you, you could see it like there was an emotional attachment between Neil and Cap, like but it was of course it wasn't romantic, it's definitely but, possible. It's definitely yeah, possible. but he but he definitely cared for her in a way that was like man, like like there's something going on here, like um, so. Uh, yes, I would love. I mean, of course, I know no one doesn't really indulge in fan theories like that. Um, but I would love to see him answer that question. Though. Like, like I would love to see like Neil's story played out more. Like I, you know, but in typical Nolan fashion, he probably won't, and he'll just leave it for fan theories for the rest of the time. Um, now, I, I know that there That's are the times where right? That's the way he rolls. He's like, I'm yeah. just gonna leave it there for you guys to decipher yeah. for years. Yeah, and. Years. and, and and I mean, he, he's done it with Inception for you know ten years now. That you know, like, well, what what do you think is the is the 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 top is the 
the, the top is spinning or is it wobbling? You know, it's like, and of course, I have seen him say that. You know, the the most important thing about that that ending film or the ending of that film is that Cobb walked away, that he walked away from the life that he had committed himself to, to be there with his kids. Now, was that reality? Was it you know, <laughs> uh, in a dream state? Who knows? But but again, the matter is that he walked away. So I you know I don't think Nolan would probably ever you know reveal that to us. Um, I think it was what the fans play along with us, but it would certainly be cool if he ever did anything more with it. Absolutely. And now interesting to what did you like the most about the storyline? Um, you know, as we've mentioned, you know, so, so many times in Nolan, the visuals, set pieces, and action sequences yeah. put together were just astounding. Um, as this was just yet another Nolan film where it's immense to look at and every frame is breathtaking, but also to top it off, just how it forces you to, to piece everything together as this is a think piece that completely consumes you and and with some movies you're not challenged to really think um in depth and with, with nolan you have to be ready to think you have to be ready to try to to, to attempt to piece things together and, and he does that yet again with this one um but to you like in particular what did you like the most about this storyline um man you know and this is again and we'll, we'll probably say this every time we do a nolan review but just seeing his worldview played out, like like what like what what keeps his wheels turning, and you know, and again, playing this with this 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 facet of reality and truth, you know, like you know, are are we living in you know your reality, or are we living in this reality? Uh, are we, you know, is this what's going on? Is this true? Like on and on and on. So. um but for me, I mean, the biggest takeaway is just just the way that the story flows and how, yeah, yeah, there are different moments where you, you really kind of like peel in and kind of have to listen and pay attention to what's going on. Um, but but it, but for being a film that that is dealing with going back and forth, it doesn't feel as confusing as it should be. Um, now, now, if you dive into some of the to some of the things that you know I've shared with Wellington about what tenant is and all that stuff, it can very well get confusing, especially if you start digging into <laughs> in, inversion and all and how all that works. Yeah, you, you're gonna get lost in the YouTube hole of um videos. But um try, I think on the surface try yeah. reading some of the tenant articles and we'll we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see where you're at after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, no doubt. But I think if, if we're talking if we're talking to surface level, um yeah, I think Nolan he he gives you once again a film that um, that you can enjoy, but also kind of leaves you like, okay, there's more to this. It's not just some, it's not just eye candy, and it's not just something sweet to kind of like chew on. No, like he he wants you to come on his journey with him uh, to really explore um, the world that he's created, and and in this sense, that world was, you know. It, there are some bad people in the world who have, you know, uh, who are wanting to, to do some terrible things. Um, particularly, you know, this one individual who wants to end the world because he's dying, which I mean is bizarre in and of itself. But, uh, but yeah, he takes you on his ride. You just have fun with him. Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, looking back at the last film he, he made, Dunkirk, I think it was in 2017. Um, you know. There, there's been a long gap um, between yeah. that film and, and this one. 
Um, well, I mean, a, a, at least a, a three-year gap. But in terms of just that, that film was not, it, it was a different type of Nolan film because that was a war yeah. film. And for, for most of the films that we've seen, you know, it, it's very psychological and, and, and or action or, and, and science fiction mixed together. And it didn't get the reception that it usually gets. In, in terms of that last film and then just him approaching this one, do you really feel as though, I, I mean, in terms of just your best guess, do you feel as though he wanted to make just another, like, kind of statement film, uh, one that just really, like, is what we're used to seeing, a more kind of, like, vintage Nolan film compared to one that just was a little different from his usual genre. Yeah, yeah, I think that, I mean, I mean, well, let's just, you know, if we take his timeline of film, like, he's putting out a film probably at least every four to five years, you know, um, but, like, like you mentioned earlier, like, Memento was kind of like his brainchild. Like, this is his thing, he's been wanting to do this for years, and I think it's not something you can just kind of rush into, like, you know, because this film could have gone sideways really quickly. Um, yes. You know, if you, um, if you're not like, you know, it's just, just, just with the elements of time that you're dealing with, it, it could have, it could have either got, got, gotten messy and kind of, and look, and there, there may be people who, who, uh, who go see the film and like, yeah, it ain't for me. And that's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's not for me. You know, we said it last week. Me and Maurice were saying, you know, it's it's inception to one. I was like, well, then I don't want to see it. Yeah, 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 yeah. He 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 said it. I mean, he he gave us he gave us his review before even seeing it. So, um, so yeah. So I mean, yeah. I mean, if 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 I was just kind of, you know, kind of speak for Christopher Nolan right here. I, I would think that, you know, yeah, he wanted this to, he wanted to go out with a bang. I think Dunkirk was kind of like a one, you know, one of those films that, again, he's dabbling in something he hasn't really done before. And as far as, you know, historical war film, um, you know, yeah. Am, am I, is it on my rewatch list? No, it's not. It's By so no crazy. means. That yeah. I cannot rewatch that film. Like I yeah. always rewatch old films, and this is the first time I'm like, I don't want to rewatch this again. And it's right, just, exactly. Like, yeah, and, and, and it's just because you know, the source material is not as strong. Which yeah. I mean, and you know, it, I always think about this comparison to 1917. 1917 has about the same amount of source material as Dunkirk does, but what they do in 1917 makes it unique. And, and yes, there are still elements of Dunkirk that are like, yes, this is very much like Nolan. Yeah, as far as visual effects, all that stuff. Those things are great, but 1917 kind of brings you in. You're like, oh, I'm really intrigued by this film, especially with how they shot it in a one-shot format. I was really intrigued by that. Um, but kind of going back to, you know, Tenet, yeah, I mean, you, if you if you kind of dream this thing up for years and years and years, uh, you want this thing to come out. You want this thing to kind of be for the world to see. Um, which again goes back to what I said about how I think that's why he pushed for the theaters to still show it. Which I mean, at this point in time, you know, it has made back how much he spent in budget wise. You know, not, probably not as big of a profit um, as he would have liked, but I mean, it still has. You know, it's got it's gotten the money back that he spent on this film. So it was it's not a complete failure as far as the box office goes. Um, yeah. But this at the end of the day. This was just not the film to just come out on streaming. Right. I, I would have a completely different perception of this film if I didn't see it in the theaters. And I feel like right. that Nolan knows what he's presenting and he knows, hey, mm -hmm. this is a traditional you have to be in the movie with yeah. your friend 
and enjoy a moment. This is a moment type of film. Absolutely, yeah, and you know, like so they they reshowed the Black Widow trailer before in set or before I'm sorry before Tenant, and like I, I just kind of sat there and chuckled. I'm like, they got this movie slated to come out a year after it's supposed to come, it's supposed to originally come out. Like, man, just just drop the thing on Disney Plus because yeah. <laughs> you know, hint hint, Disney Plus, you need material. I, I know the Mandalorian dropped today. Yeah, you know, I'm, look, I, I'm looking forward to watching that. Yes, looking forward to watching it, but. But hint, hint, like Disney Plus, you need material. Like, just just go ahead and put it on to streaming. And I, and, I, and I think that because of how big that film is, you know, incorporating Marvel, that's probably why they're trying to hold off as long as they can. But but even who's to say, like, you know, you know this could be, like, this could be a podcast in and of itself. Like, who knows what theater life is going to be like in the next year, two years, five years. Yeah, it could be a total different look, different and experience. right, and and Tenet, you know, may be, um, Tenet may be the last film that we see, you know, as far as like brand new material that drops in the theaters because right now, the slate doesn't look good, and um, yeah, we'll we'll just see what happens from there. Because this is a moment where we're like, hey, this this is why he probably was just so urgently pushing it because you and me went back and forth of will it come out? Will it not? I thought it was not going to come out. And, and then when it, when it did, it was just like, it was a stunning just type of feel because even to be there, even to be in a theater, um, obviously things are so much different, you know, you know, just being socially distant, everybody just kind of, you know, having different precautions for it. It really was a different type of feel, even though the, the, the experience was amazing. Just seeing this type of film, but just, the movie going experience is something that, like you said, we're going to have to completely just rethink for the next few years. And that's going to, even in bigger terms, affect the movie industry. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, I, I know, I know some theaters have been toying with the idea about doing drive-in, which is fine, but I don't, I don't think a film like Tenet could be carried off in a drive-in like, you know, like another movie could. So, um, you know, it's, it's, you need that surround sound effect for this movie. Absolutely. So, yeah. You need a boom in. You need a boom in too loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And now transitioning to our last topic, 10 years from now, do you still think it'll be watchable and intriguing? And I, just for a film like this, as um the the visuals and just the, 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 the just the visuals is something that just completely stands out to me as this really was um a, a beautiful film to just take in and how he set everything in place and and, and the time inversion, just everything that was complex. For me, I'm just, I, I love complex films and Nolan is mm-hmm. is the key of that. And I think even for just casual moviegoers, this is, this does have the spy genre to it as well. The, almost the, the James Bond and, and the Mission Impossible yeah. element as well. So even for casual movie, moviegoers, you know, they can enjoy that element. Um, But to you, like what in particular do you think this will st- uh, still make it just watchful and intriguing as this is, you know, mm-hmm. literally the, the first year we're taking it in. Yeah, so I, I mean, of course, you know, we're, you know, we're going to be biased in this a little bit. Number one, because we're, we're Nolan fans, but also too because we we've just recently seen this film, like we, so it's still so fresh to us. We're like, yeah, I want to re-see this movie, but I'm kind of taking a different route, and like because of this cultural moment, mm. pe- people are going to want to see this film because, like, you know, like why were people willing to go in the middle of a pandemic? Of course, again, you know being safe why were they willing to go see this film and 
Um, and some people see it twice, three times, however many times people could see it. Why would they want to go back to see this film? So I think it's going to hold a place in cultural moment where, you know, either it is going to be the last two raw of the, of the movie going experience, or it's going to be the one that kind of revitalizes going back to the theaters in the future. So yeah, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, man. Um, uh, I think that, um, yeah, but at the end of the day, I think, I think it will carry some weight um, because it, because it does fall into that James Bond mission impossible genre, you know, where it's like, you know, like similar to like, or, you know, we can even, I would even say certain elements of like John Wick, you know, um, yeah. or any other kind of like espionage movie, you can now lump this in with it. And, you know, so like, if you want a different vibe, you know, if you want to go a little deeper than James Bond, well, here's Tenet for you. So, and um, yes, yeah, so I, I definitely think it's going to hold up and, uh, and I can't wait to see, uh, you know, can't wait to see how it holds up. Yeah, absolutely. And before we close out, if, if for somebody who hasn't seen this, if there's one movie, like in person, if you had to tell like somebody just one movie that that you would compare it to that Nolan's made that that you feel as though most people would like, that you would say, hey, if you like this Nolan film, you're really gonna like this. Is there kind of one in particular you would say that kind of maybe holds that same weight of interest that somebody would have for this one? See, see, you know, it's. I think what I would ask is like, okay. What is this person looking for? Are you looking for the big name to mm-hmm. be on the on the bill? Because you're not going to find it in this film. You know, are you looking for? Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you looking for the for the story? You know, yeah. I could say there's definitely elements of inception and momentum in this film. Um, yes, I I think you know I, I said this before. You know, when I first saw the film, and I think I kind of stand by it. You know, if you if we're talking just straight story. If you enjoy the elements of deception as far as the, the espionage factor, if you enjoy the time elements of, uh, of Memento, or even the time elements of um, kind of the future and the past of like the prestige, then I think, I think you're going to enjoy this film. And, and you're going to you know, find like, yeah, there's some crossover here. Um, yeah, as we've always said before in the past, Nolan sticks to what works best. And Absolutely. you could pretty you could pretty much expect it. Don't fix it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's not broken yet. Don't fix it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, Trent, it, it has been an absolute pleasure as always having you on. Um, always yeah. love having chats. And as I said, midway um, before taking off the show, the Prestige review is coming. It, Let's it, go. It's time for the Prestige, whether it be the end of this year or the beginning of 2021, the Prestige review is coming and. TB, TBD on if my co-host will be on for that one. But I know Drew's going to be on. <laughs> I know he's going to be on for that one, but, but, but as, yeah. as always, thanks, thanks again for being Yeah, man, absolutely. It's always a pleasure hanging out with you. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm Hill Swinton Burns, my counterpart, Save on Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.